Welcome to the Amazing Grace Talk podcast, conversations that explore how God has pursued those he has made in his image. My wife and host, Erica C. Meyer Williamson, is on a journey to meet everyday people who have experienced a radical encounter with the divine presence of unconditional love. These are the stories that remind us why God's grace is amazing. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. My name is Erica, and I'm so glad you stopped by. It is my hope that through the amazing testimonies you will hear on this show, we'll plant a seed in your heart and ignite your dreams all for God's glory. Through much prayer and listening to God's direction, I actually retired from a 30-year career in 2020 to spend more time doing just that, helping women find clarity, overcome struggles, and discover their true calling. In 2016, I launched the Amazing Grace Retreats in the beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota, started this podcast in September of last year, and in the spring, I will finish my autobiography, a book that shares my struggles and victories to prove that anyone can live in God's amazing grace for those who believe in Him. I can't wait to see you at the next retreat. On today's episode, we continue my conversation with Rob Price on the Blood Covenant. It was an awesome conversation that ran just a little longer than we thought, but no big deal. We made it into two parts and have a lot of great content to share with you today. So here's the rest of my conversation with Rob Price. When Jesus said, I'm going to make a new covenant with you, a new covenant. Okay. Is that the second half of the Bible? Is that chapter two of the, of the, of, of the scriptures? No. It just looks like it. The word new in Greek is amazing. The word new in Greek means original, uncommon, unprecedented, and unheard of. So Jesus said basically, I'm going to make a blow-your-mind covenant. I'm going to do something you've never even conceived of. It's a new covenant. Well, what's new about it? Here's what's new about it. For the first time in the history of covenant-making, a single human being will be both the covenant representative and the covenant sacrifice at the same time. My mind is still blown, and I've been teaching this for 25 years. How can a single human being be both the covenant representative and the covenant sacrifice at the same, I, this, this is unheard of. This is, oh, that's why Jesus said it's a new covenant. I'm going to blow your mind at how much I love you. Not only would Jesus Christ be both the covenant representative for all mankind, he'd be the blood sacrifice from the floggings, the whipping he endured. He would make the walk of death through Jerusalem as the city of God's heart. He would receive a mark on the body through the nails on his hands. He would release promises spoken while on the cross. Why do you think he actually said the words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In real time space history, Jesus is cutting a covenant. He literally had to verbalize sound coming out of his mouth. He had to say stuff. This was the promises, the terms. Mm -hmm. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's going to be a term of this covenant, as long as they believe upon this blood. 
And Jesus would also make vows voiced to a sinner on the other cross. He said, today I give you my word. You'll be with me in paradise. And that's an echo to all of us down the corridor of history. We're in Christ. The Bible says we are now seated in heavenly places in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he would be the central figure in the exchange of the firstborn son as God honors his covenant with Abraham. God the Father is now under covenant obligation to honor a 2,000-year-old covenant with Abraham who was willing to sacrifice his own son Isaac. So I'm just telling you that to me, the gospel message is covenant. It's what it is. God doesn't just make covenant. He is covenant. Think about this. I just taught you that you need two representatives and you need something to oversee the promises. Who's going to be an arbiter? Who's going to make sure these guys keep their word? That right there tells me why there's a trinity. This explains the very DNA of God. God the Father cut a covenant with God the Son Who oversees it to make sure they keep their promises? God, the Holy Spirit, is the arbiter. He makes sure both sides keep a covenant. God cannot keep himself to himself. He is so good, he's willing to allow a free-willed human being to exist just to have the possibility of knowing how awesome God is himself. But to do that, he has a problem because I'm going to introduce free will into the world. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, they're going to blow it. So from the beginning of time, God talks about these covenants before the beginning of time. So the Bible says in Hebrews 13, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus, that's covenantal, before the beginning of time, but it's not been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And Ephesians 1, 4, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And one more, in Titus 1, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed time, season, he brought his word to light through preaching. All these scriptures talk about something happened before time began. Jesus was assigned. It's almost as if he raised his hand and said, I'll go, I'll die for them. They don't even exist yet. And I, when they do mess up, I will be the one who will take on human flesh and I will die for them and as them so they can enter back in to covenant. Now, let's take this down to where people can understand their Bible, okay? Because I mentioned the Bible is full of, of language that will help your listeners understand the scriptures, okay? So there are a bunch of words, Robin, Erica, in the Bible that are covenantal. I'm going to say some words here, and you tell me what I'm talking about. The Little League, infielder, batter, plate, Swinging, pitches, exactly. Triples, home runs. Without even saying the word baseball, you knew from inference by the third, second or third word, oh, Rob's talking about baseball. 
I never once said the word baseball till you just said the word baseball. Mm-hmm. There are words in scripture that the readers and the writers of the time knew instinctively, like you just did a moment ago, oh, the reader's talking about covenant. Hmm. Well, I'm going to teach you what they are. Are you ready? Get a <laughs> pen and paper because this is awesome. Yep. Kindness, mercy, peace, steadfast, faithfulness, loyalty, friendship, I'm supposed to be answered. Those are all relationship. <laughs> no, those are covenant words involving relationship. Mm-hmm. So those are relational words. There's identification words. I've hit these already. In, with, together, joined to, included in, through, and united. Whenever you see those words in scripture, you can smell it out. The reader, the writer, I should say, is talking about covenant Mm -hmm. there's ceremonial words blessings curses oaths vows swearing remembering and of course the word testament those are all ceremonial words whenever you see these i just gave you like 25 words yeah you know the word remember for example to take it take it down to a thing we do in churches very often once a month we'll do we'll take communion we are to remember the covenant. Well, the word remember is interesting. It doesn't just mean mental recollection. The word remember means to take a past historical event, all the powers of that past event, and pull it into the here and now. To go into the past, to recall and remember. It's an action word. You bring mentally it bring it back to your here and now. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, he's giving them a blues clue to tell (laughs) them later after the resurrection, there is power. When you take the communion elements, you're calling upon the power and the authority of the blood of Jesus over your life. Do you know people have been healed of sicknesses and illnesses taking communion? Because they have remembered who they are, And all the powers of the cross to heal and restore and forgive are brought to the here and now. Mm -hmm. It's also why we say in the name of Jesus. We're remembering the name. We're bringing that powerful name back to the here and now. Is there a Bible story that maybe explains or goes into the covenant other than the story of Jesus? Sure, sure. In fact, it's a story that got me really stoked about what this was. And it's a story about David. But it's not about him slaying Goliath. It's what happened right after it. Like the next verse, it begins to happen. Jonathan, who's the son of Saul, goes, this dude's special. And he makes, he said, the Bible says he cut a covenant with Jonathan or David right on the spot. The two make a covenant together. And the Bible says he gives him his sword, his tunic. And later on, they renew the covenant. Jonathan saw something very special in David. He said, basically, I know you're supposed to be king, not me. I know I'm first in line. I know my dad's. He's a rascal, but I, I, you're anointed. I'm going to give you my throne. And on top of that, we're going to be friends forever. And on top of that, would you please, <laughs> would you please include our kids, all our unborn sons and daughters, into this covenant? And David says yes every time. Jonathan does have a kid named Mephibosheth. Funny name, Mephibosheth. Yeah. He's five years old. Dad's out in battle. So is his granddad. And on that day, Saul and Jonathan both, bam, killed in battle. 
against the Philistines. The servants of Saul thought David was up to no good. They thought he had conspired with the Philistines. So they, they fled the palace. They thought David's come to kill us all. Because back then, a new, new regime, out with the old, kill all the family members and wipe them out. So they leave as fast as they can when news reaches the palace that Saul and Jonathan are dead. One of the nurses dropped young Mephibosheth, and his legs were irreparably damaged. In fact, the Bible says he was lame in both feet. They scurry off to a desert town called Lodabar. Lodabar means, in Hebrew, a, a place of no revelation word, a place of no green pasture. Mm-hmm. And there Mephibosheth is raised to hate David. Got no revelation of the truth. Has no idea that before he was born, he was included in a covenant of love. His dad, Jonathan, included Mephibosheth to be taken care of by David. But Mephibosheth is only knowing one thing. David stole your throne. David's out to get you. You're in hiding the rest of your life. You're in exile. So he's raised to hate him. Until one day, David, after settling down as the king, turns to his servants and said, Is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? Mm-hmm. I believe he pulled down the scar that David had on his wrist. And David couldn't stop thinking about it. He's like, I'm in covenant with Jonathan. I know he has kids. I saw them running around years ago. But now they've all left town. And he, he corners the servants, the leftover servants. Is there anyone left? And one servant, Ziba, pulls behind the curtains, as it were, goes, well, there's one guy left. He, he's, he's, he's nobody. Let him go. He's just, he's one of Jonathan's sons. It's Mephibosheth. And David says, bring him to me. And the Bible says that, the old King James says, he fetched him. <laughs> he brings the chariots out and he goes and tracks him down to Lodabar. Imagine you're Mephibosheth. Well, they finally found me. The chariots and the horses and the soldiers, they close in on him. And he's fetched. And he's brought to the throne. He thinks it's over. They're going to make a mockery of me. They're going to put me in public display. I'm the grandson of the king. And instead, David says, why are you afraid? Mephibosheth had said he was fearful. The Bible says he was afraid. And David said, I'm in covenant with your dad. I've saved all these lands for you. You're going to be a prince at my table. Just say yes. Just enter in. I don't know what you've been told out there in Lodabar, but it's a lie. In fact, you've been lied to your entire life. The truth is, I'm for you, not against you. I love you. I shed blood for you. I'm in covenant with your daddy. What are you going to do? He had a choice to make. If I say no, off with his head. Because back then, enemy of the state, kill him on sight. But number two, and this is a scary one, Robin. If Mephibosheth had said no, he would have been killed as a covenant breaker. You say that's not fair. He wasn't even alive. Doesn't matter. He was included in a covenant before he was even born. So when you say no to the king, it's as if you're breaking covenant. That was made for you and as you. When we say no to Jesus, we say we stick our thumb up at God and say, I don't want any part of you, and we die away from Christ. God simply speaks the sentence that we have passed upon ourselves, and the curses of a broken covenant fall upon that human being. This is how serious covenant is. It is no joke. So that story is the gospel. The Bible says Mephibosheth was a smart man. 
He entered in. He always ate at the king's table. He left Lodabar like that. He realized, I got, I got a good deal here. <laughs> now, he had to rethink some things. His whole life, he was trained to hate David. Now, from now on, he's got to go, oh, wait, I can't think that way. Oh, no, he loves me. Oh, he had to stop. He had to, oh, he's got to be transformed by the renewing of his mind. He's got to change everything he once thought about the king. When the Holy Spirit fetches you out of a place of no revelation word in, in the world, a place of no green pasture, and God says, you know what? It's your time. And he fetched you. And the Holy Spirit brings you to the king and tells you the truth about Jesus Christ. You were included in a covenant before you were even born. What do you say, yes or no? That's what the Bible says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. At some point, it's either you're in or out. It's my belief that people who, who are in, in, in hell right now, it's because they're covenant breakers. They fail to enter in and say yes. Because the Bible speaks in Romans. Everyone knows, knows there's a right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And when we choose to walk away from that, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God because you're a covenant breaker. But then do you believe when you die, if you feel like you haven't, had that opportunity that you'll have it again? This is where it gets interesting because none of us really know yeah. what happens at the point of someone's death, but God gives every human being the chance to, to know him. Now, there's some folks who died age four or five before really the age of accountability. Sure, I'm, I'm quite certain God's going to send them to heaven. But at some point, and it's, it's different yeah. for everybody, at some point, guys, there's an age of you know better. That's true. You know the right way to live. And you can't keep pushing that off because mm-hmm. your other guests have said, I remember uh, Rachel Ritchie said, you, you never know. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It's a scary thing because heaven, hell is a real thing. And when we take our last breath, we are going one of two places. The Bible says, God has said eternity in the heart of man. We will live forever. Where? In what state? It's either heaven or it's hell. It's much like a covenant. You're either in or you're out. Mm-hmm. And God's done everything he can to get everyone in. God doesn't want anyone to perish, the Bible says in John 3, but all to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, everybody. And God so honors free will, he will not violate it, even to the point of letting you condemn yourself. But the thought of him knowing you and you knowing him is so amazing, he's willing to take a chance that you might say no to him forever. So it's a tough topic you're bringing up. Like, well, what about people who've never heard about Jesus? And what are those? I, yeah, I, I don't, do, do, those are, those are yeah. the real tough ones because the Bible speaks in Romans about there's a conscience that God puts upon every man. There's a, there are law unto themselves. He judges your heart. Do you have, did you have faith to believe? It's not about you. God cut a covenant with himself and included us in the covenant. Mm-hmm. Just like David and Jonathan made a covenant and included Mephibosheth in the covenant. He just needed to be pulled out of Lodabar and told the truth. Mm-hmm. And we are like the Zebas. We're the, we're, the, we're, the, we're the servants going out to go fetch the world, bring them to the king, and let the king deal with them. It's not up to us to get them saved. We just proclaim the truth yeah. and let the Holy Spirit work as he will upon that person's heart. It's their choice. I, know, it's, I, I still struggle with that because I still feel like some people just can't. It frustrates them. Okay. They can't. And so I don't have, 
I'm not you. What you need to stop. What you need to do is understand the gospel a little better so you can communicate it to them. You are under obligation to understand what you believe, Robin, and why you believe it. So when the Bible says, be ready at any moment to give an answer for the reason of your faith. And even Corinthians talks about this. He says, it's as if God is making his appeal through us. We are reconciling the world to, to, to God. You've got to get more confident, and you and we all do, in being ready to share the liberating, anointed truth of the gospel at all times. And what if you do and you get pushed back? Like, you're only there to plant a seed? The Bible, you know what Jesus said to the disciples? He said, shake the dust off your feet and move, move on, on to the next town. Mm-hmm. You can only plant a seed. You can't change their minds. Or you can't convince, really. You can, right. you can offer it up. Whether they take it or not is not up right. to you. And I know sometimes you, you want it so badly because I've been in that place. Mm. You know, as you're kind of on the beginning of your journey, you're like, but if they would just see. if they, And then you realize that's not up to us, just to plant a seed of faith yeah. of something or, or let them see it through you. And, or, or if you don't know what to say, say, you know what, maybe think about digging into your Bible, maybe reading and spending more time with your Bible and then let God reveal something to, to you. Acts 17, 30. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. That man is Jesus. Jesus is going to judge the earth. God commands us to repent. It's not an invitation. And even there's even a gift of repentance. God's kindness, I mentioned earlier in Romans 2, God's kindness leads us to repentance. And now, once we have it, he's commanding us to do what he gave us the gift to do. Change your mind. You're not living the right way. I would never tell my children when they're little, if they drift off into the street as they're chasing a ball and the car's coming in on the road, I wouldn't say, oh, dear, sweet Jessica, I'd like to invite you to step away from that road because it's going to kill you. No, out of my love, out of my fatherly love for the child, I I would command her, get away, come back. Jessica, get off the street. This car's coming. Repent, change your mind, stop, make a U-turn, get off the road. I would not invite her. To repent, I would command her to repent. Repent means to change your mind. And God says in his word, God commands all people to repent. Mm-hmm. It's not an invitation. It's a command. We've got to know our word better. It will revolutionize how you even tell people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm not confident to the point where I will get very, you know, if I get any pushback, then I just, that's just me. I mean, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not defending it. That's just. This is a tough one because how far do you go to damage a relationship versus releasing the truth? Are you willing to let it cost you a friendship or or a a, a two-week offense or a week-long offense until you say you're sorry and text a week later? Or are we not even willing to, to... look, the gospel is offensive. It's a scandal to people. In fact, Mm -hmm. it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. You need to get used to being rejected, Robin. You need to practice rejection. The Bible says, sadly, very, very few will find the, that mm-hmm. narrow, narrow path. 
And broad and wide is the path of destruction, and many, many, many enter through it. Our job is to help the few that will make it to see the light. Mm -hmm. Rob, I want to thank you for taking your producer hat off and coming into (laughs) being a guest. (laughs) Enjoyed it. On this show and for teaching so much. Um, I know it's a deep subject, but it's pretty amazing. The Blood Covenant book is available. Amazon.com, any any of the major book. Seller websites, Barnes and Noble, I think has it. Like I said, Amazon. So yeah, uh, it's available uh, anywhere you look for books. It's called The Blood Covenant by James Garlow and Rob Price. Awesome. And we'll go ahead and put a link uh, to The Blood Covenant book in our show notes. So you can go ahead and just purchase it there. And we just want to thank Rob for coming in here today and sharing this amazing teaching. And wow, I, I know Robin and I are sitting here just blown away going, that's deep, but at least he brought it back to us to where we can understand. And hopefully you guys took a lot of notes because I know that I'm going to go back and listen to this myself, take notes and do my own Bible study on this whole thing. And thanks to all of our listeners who remind me daily through text, emails, and phone calls of how listening to the podcast has impacted their lives. If you would like to be considered as a guest on our show, please email me at ericaseemeyer at gmail.com or message me on social media at Erica Seymour Williamson. For more information on the upcoming retreat schedule, check out www.amazinggraceretreats.com in the show notes. And I look forward to seeing you and meeting you at our next getaway. And last but not least, we would be so honored if you would write a review, subscribe to the show, and share this podcast on your social media. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next time on Amazing Grace Talk.